The thing about comparing rates at Progressive.com is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about comparing rates at Progressive.com. We probably don't even need the words comparing rates anymore to remind you that seasoning steaks at Progressive.com is an easy way to save on car insurance. Or that swimming in trousers helps you find the lowest rate. And that's the thing about foraging for truffles. You've heard a lot of ads about standing tiptoe on a cinder block. Compare rates and <clears throat> sing softly to a wounded field mouse and save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. guys, welcome to this episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast, guys. It's good to be back. It's race week. We actually have only four races remaining of the 2019 Formula 1 season. So sit back, enjoy it, because before we all know it, it's going to end. Can you imagine just four races remain? Like, time has just flown by. I know, right? Kunal, it's in moments like these that I wish we actually had 25 races in the calendar right this year. You know, Formula 1's chasing Miami just so much to become one of those 25 races. And I'm pretty sure the other race promoters are absolutely in envy of the Miami Grand Prix. Because without paying a single dollar, Miami has gotten more coverage than Bahrain, Russia and maybe even China put together. I know, right? It seems like Formula One's literally hell-bent on having a second race in the USA. And in fact, they made a pre-announcement to host Miami in 2021 at the Hard Rock Stadium. Of course, the city of Miami is still to approve the Miami Grand Prix. So let's see what happens. Yes. So in this week's episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast, we applaud McLaren and Carlos Sainz's efforts in 2019. And we tell you the one thing that McLaren is missing in 2019. Yeah, you guys have like a couple of minutes to guess what that thing is because we're going to talk about it. But we also talk about Daniel Ricciardo. Mithila, is there any way we can bring him back to Red Bull Racing? And I think it's also time we applaud Ferrari for being un-Ferrari-like for their, with their drivers for once. Closer to the end of the episode, we have Lucien with his Moments in Time section. The Mexico Grand Prix is ahead of us. And it's actually got a very illustrious history, despite making a comeback to Formula One just recently. Whew, it's a very full episode, so much to talk about. Anyway, guys, a very happy Diwali to all our listeners in India and everywhere else who are celebrating this Festival of Lights. Happy Diwali, guys. And please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audioboom, Google Podcasts, Spotify and everywhere else for your weekly dose of Formula One humor. Awesome. So Miami aside, Kunal, there is Mexico to talk about. Or will it be the Mexico Grand Prix? <laughs> <I> <laughs> you know, Max. I, sh <laughs> I should have seen that coming. Yes, Max Verstappen. <laughs> he could score his first career hat-trick of wins if he wins in Mexico. And also Mexico could be the thousandth, uh, not the thousandth, sorry, the hundredth win for Mercedes and Formula One. No, I'm not drunk. I was just <laughs> also going to say we that... We know what you were doing before you got here. <laughs> anyway, wait, all... wait, wait, one sec. But if you guys are tuning in after the Mexico Grand Prix is over, worry not. We speak about Mexico <laughs> only for a couple of minutes and then we move on to the current affairs of Formula One. Okay, and guys, if you think Kunal has been drinking before this episode, please let us know in the comments. Also, let us know what you think he's been drinking. Anyway... All week oh. long, Kunal, I think we're going to keep hearing about how 
thin air is going to impact overall car performance in Mexico. Uh, and I'm told that Renault's smaller turbo actually gives it a benefit in Mexico. So that remains to be seen, though. Or so we all think. Because let's assume Renault has a benefit. I think McLaren are going to be better poised to exploit that benefit than Renault themselves. And however unexpected it may be so, I think a McLaren driver on the podium will make Formula 1 go absolutely mental. In fact, Kunal, I am cheering for Carlos Sainz to beat both Albon and Gasly to 6th place in the Drivers' Championship. And for McLaren to keep 4th place ahead of Renault. Of course, yes, why not? And, and this is exactly where Petrobras will feel the loss of their partnership. Or maybe Petrobras is quitting McLaren out of respect, you know, because they're like, hey guys, we are a brand that is supposed to be a sponsor of the midfields, midfield teams. <laughs> and McLaren is now on its way to becoming a top team again in Formula 1. So maybe it's time to leave and, you know, have a top oil company sponsor McLaren. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Very gracious of them. Anyway, the gap between Renault and McLaren is 34 points. And like we know, only four races remain. Uh, Science said that McLaren, uh, they're no longer the best of the rest. And I sort of agree, because it feels like McLaren have just broken away. And now they have a tier of their own. I agree. And, you know, I'm actually excited to see what becomes of McLaren in 2020. And then more importantly, in 2021. And we said at the start of the episode, there's one thing that's missing in McLaren this season. And that is the cartoon series tunes that they've had for so many time, so many years. And it's a pity, really, because this time they've got the two perfect drivers to do a cartoon series on or with, call it as you may. Anyway, McLaren, bring back tunes. We'd love that. Yes, we know, Zach, you're listening. Yes, but <laughs> former Red Bull racing diver Robert Dornboss, if I have got the pronunciation correctly, he said that Max Verstappen will make up his mind for 2021 in the next one or two races time. I know that's a very early time frame, uh, you know, when it comes to thinking about 2021, especially given that the whole, you know, new rules are yet to be announced and all of that. But the key thing that Don Boss said was that McLaren could be one of the teams that Max Verstappen could consider for his future. Yeah, of course, that's basically Don Boss's way of saying that he listens to our podcast and he loves what he hears. <laughs> Hello, Robert. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> anyway, I think given Max Verstappen's age, experience and, you know, longevity, a couple of years at McLaren isn't going to do him that much harm if it comes to it, but we shall see. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be 24 in 2021 with nearly 150 races of experience under his belt. And let's assume he goes to McLaren. That's because, you know... Ferrari have clearly invested in Charles Leclerc and we know Mercedes is going to back Lewis Hamilton for the next couple of years and while he's waiting for those couple of years for, to see what Hamilton does and if he ends up going to McLaren he'll be like 26 you know at McLaren with 200 races under his belt but just not winning a world championship and I somehow get this feeling and I really hope to be proved wrong next season itself that Max Verstappen might just have to wait a bit longer to win his first world championship in Formula 1. But Kunal, the one driver for whom a couple of years more of waiting could prove to be way too much is Daniel Ricciardo. I'm just imagining him at Renault for another year and oh my god, that is very painful. You know, Daniel Ricciardo is getting paid potloads to endure that very pain and to tell the world that he isn't feeling any of that pain. So that's a lot of money that's going down that 
pipeline. Yeah, in fact, wait, let's take a few minutes to just discuss Daniel Ricardo's situation both at Renault and in the courtroom. Daniel Ricardo has negotiated a bad deal if his contract doesn't actually have an exit clause because that's what he's been saying. And uh, I would actually definitely recommend Daniel Ricardo to take a leaf out of Nico Hulkenberg's career book of Formula 1 because if you guys remember in 2013 Hulkenberg went off to Sauber for a year only to return to Force India the next season and that's what Daniel Ricardo needs to do admit that Renault was a mistake and then do whatever it takes to go back to Red Bull Racing and Red Bull Racing still has to announce their lineup for 2020 and Verstappen's been making all these noises that he and Red Bull Racing need a Ricardo like driver to push them forward and all of that that would be interesting right because Max Verstappen's actually he's been saying I want ha- I want to have no say in my 2020 team mate I don't care who it is and at the next time he goes <laughs> and says I miss a Ricardo kind of oh. teammate but You know, sticking to Daniel Ricardo, his bad deal just doesn't exist exist with Renault. It also exists with his former manager. Yeah, you know that guy got very famous thanks to the Netflix show, but I don't know his name. And I don't think Netflix <laughs> paid him, but he got paid to do all the talking in favor of uh, Renault and Ricardo. But yes, I'm talking to the same guy, and Ricardo's move to Renault and his driver manager contract is a learning for young racers. It's so strange, right? I mean, you'd imagine or expect that someone like Ricardo, who is so clean in his racing, to keep his management affairs absolutely clean too. But here he is. Exactly right. Like I don't remember seeing Ricardo pull off even one silly, questionable move on track. But it seems like he's pulled a really bad one off it. And if you're a young driver listening and require assistance with assistance with contracts, you can reach out to us via our Facebook page, and we'd be happy to help. Of course, I'm not a lawyer. Neither is Mithila, but I have experience from my time at the Force India Driver Academy a few years ago. In fact, Kunal, not just young drivers. I'm sure a lot of existing drivers are just pulling their contracts out and having a look at their contracts. Yes, yeah, so all <laughs> maybe the- Kimi Raikkonen is reading his contract <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> so, yeah. if you are an existing driver, and we know a few of you guys listen to our podcast. you can write to us via facebook as well yeah anyway final points on reno so uh i think we're spending too much time on them already but let's go <laughs> quick for all you know you know they'll just leave formula 1 at the end of next season and uh, reno said that they won't miss having a customer team in 2020 uh i think that singular focus might actually help them yes they also said that they're actually pleased with their engine development in 2019 Now for starters I think Renault's misunderstood the importance of a customer team you know since you brought brought that whole thing about how they're not going to miss one next season and I just say this not only in terms of revenue because they will of course miss out on 12 maybe 14 million euros for their power units but also in terms of a competitive benchmark I know and this is exactly what McLaren missed during their days with Honda a competitive benchmark to look at And finally there is Renault's automatic brake bias system or unit or whatever it's actually called. <laughs> no 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 Kunal you have to give us the actual name cite it. Wait wait <laughs> a minute. This is your test of formula 1. <laughs> okay no, so okay. I have actually written it down because it is extremely complicated. Of, of course <laughs> you never know when you're asked right. 
So it's the preset lap distance dependent brake bias adjustment system. That's what wow, it's called. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Renault's trying the good old management mantra. When you can't convince them, just confuse the hell out of them. <laughs> if only Liberty Media could use a similar management style to get the new rules for 2021 approved. <laughs> Kunal, I'll tell you what, they could just use Bernie Ecclestone. I mean, he's still a part of Formula One. That is a brilliant idea. And I think... Maybe at the United States Grand Prix, which is, I think, two Grand Prix from now, when Formula One will make some sort of announcements, because that is Liberty Media's home race. It's the best time for positive PR, and that's also where they are listed in the public exchange. That is a very good point. Anyway, on to the next point. Uh, So, Kunal, let's talk about this. Who will go where in the Red Bull Racing family? Uh, you know, we will. Uh, so, Franz Toss said that they're going to announce their driver lineup for 2020 after Mexico. And he said that Kivar and Gasly were promoted to Red Bull Racing a bit too early. Now, the strange part here is that Alexander Albon went to Red Bull Racing earlier than anyone else, Max Verstappen included. Let's remember, Max Verstappen had a full season and a few more races at Toro Rosso before he was promoted. And Albon's had, I think, what, 11 or 12 races, literally all the races up until 2019 summer. So I'm excited to see what actually happens and who falls in place where, because we, of course, know where Verstappen is going to be. And we also know that Charles Leclerc was pictured with a friend who was having a Red Bull that, of course, went viral. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty far-fetched. But anyway, at the moment, it seems like Albon will remain uh, at Red Bull Racing in 2020. And Kunal, this reminds me, so, uh, uh, Jacques Wilner said that Danny Kivar will never be promoted to Red Bull Racing. And I think the same could apply for Pierre Gasly as well. I mean... Jacques Villeneuve is going to say it at some point of time, you know, in the next couple of races. We are just anticipating (laughs) what he's going to say because I really doubt Red Bull Racing are going to take either of the two drivers back into Red Bull Racing unless Max Verstappen goes somewhere. But even in that case, I don't know. I really hope that Kivat and Gasly are able to find themselves cockpits elsewhere in Formula 1. Honestly, and luckily for them, at the moment at least, there are no younger drivers in the Red Bull Racing program ready for Formula 1. Yeah, that's true, right? Yeah. Patricia Ward was just dropped a couple of weeks, a couple of days before we started recording this episode. But I am now reminded of the great Nico Rosberg, Formula One's <laughs> famous, most famous YouTuber. Just because I spoke of Jacques Villeneuve. <laughs> that was a bit of a clue or a cue for me. But yes, Rosberg was filming an ad or something to that effect for Ferrari. At least that's what the crazy social media fans want us to believe. Yeah, and I wonder what's so crazy about it, you know, because uh, Nico Rosberg is not coming back to Formula One, either with Ferrari or with Mercedes. He's not Fernando Alonso. (laughs) (laughs) He's not even talking about coming back. But that is true, right? But maybe Ferrari values the publicity they receive on Rosberg's YouTube channel more than Mercedes. (laughs) That's a possibility. And uh, I know that Nico Rosberg was an ambassador for Mercedes after winning and retiring in 2016. And I really wonder if that relationship still continues. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe Rosberg's post was about reminding Toto Wolff that he's still supposed to extend (laughs) his ambassadorship contract for 2020. Yeah, and uh, speaking of relationships, so I think the most discussed relationship in Mexico will be of the Ferrari drivers. It's like the story to follow in the second half of the season. Honestly, I think we need to applaud Ferrari for their un-Ferrari-like approach because, you know, their approach has cost them a few good races and results. Yes, we know that. 
But let's remember their current approach, which is also very neutral towards talent or experience, is actually the tougher stance for the team to maintain in terms of results and in terms of the team's history from before. Yeah, come to think of it, they could have just told Leclerc to support Vettel at all costs, given that Vettel is the senior driver in the team. True. Or they could have just told Vettel to support Leclerc because Leclerc's been the faster driver overall. That's also true. Yeah, and <laughs> the point is that either approach would have caused more disharmony in the team, uh, at least, you know, on one side of the garage. That is also true. I know everything you, I say is true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but choosing the team over all else, especially in 2019, makes a lot of sense. But I really wonder how they're going to manage this in 2020. Of course, depending if Ferrari still remains as quick. Uh, but that's not the only place we're going to expect fireworks. We're going to expect fireworks in Mexico as well. Although no one really expects the thin air to actually work you know, in favor of Ferrari's package. We've been reading all sorts of theories of how Ferrari is not going to do well, especially <laughs> in terms of the higher tire wear that they could face. And then when they do, it'll be like they pulled a victory out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I echo uh, Mattia Binotto's sentiments about not converting poles to wins. Yeah, and Mercedes, on the other hand, have a strong overall package, but Mexico hasn't really favoured them in the past either. Yeah, they've actually labelled Mexico as their worst race of the year. Uh, yeah. But yeah, let's not forget, because there's still a driver's championship being fought in the Mercedes garages. It is still Valtteri Bottas versus Lewis Hamilton. And now I know that there are a lot of permutations and combinations out there about who needs to do what and all of that and who needs to finish where, but... I've actually looked at none because it's just unnecessarily complicated. Because at the end of the day, Lewis Hamilton's going to win the World Drivers' Championship either in Mexico or some race till Abu Dhabi. So I'd rather focus my energies on all the other affairs that are happening in the paddock. Good point. And uh, in Mexico specifically, Hamilton needs to outscore Botas by 14 points to win the title in Mexico. That, and That's it. That's the one thing that our listeners need to remember. Forget everything. If Hamilton is 14 points ahead... He's going to be world champion. And if he does win the title in Mexico, now this is interesting. He's going to be winning it for the third year in running at Mexico. Pretty for, exciting. For all his love of the USA, he ends up winning it in Mexico. <laughs> but, you know, I wonder if delaying Hamilton's title by even one race would actually be considered as progress by Valtteri Bottas. That's a really good point, yeah. Uh, speaking Thanks. of Hamilton, he's asked Mercedes for more power and less drag in 2020. Basically, Hamilton's asked Mercedes to give him a Ferrari to race in 2020. <laughs> That's how it sounds like. And I'm pretty sure Sebastian Vettel's asked Ferrari for a Mercedes. So, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. The car is always And the only one faster. who has a Ferrari in all of this is Nico Rosberg. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as we look forward to Mexico, guys, here is Lucien with his Moments in Time section. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today, we shall look back on the history of the Mexican Grand Prix. The track has seen changes over the years, notably with the removal of the notorious Peraltata corner that gave us some amazing footage. Think of Nigel Mansell taking Berger around the outside in 1990, or Senna crashing and ending up upside down in 91. As for 1986, what a historic comeback it was, with Gerhard Berger interrupting the massive title fight between Prost, Piquet and Mansell by winning his and the Benetton's first ever race victory. 
That Mexican race was supposed to be a simple title win for Nigel Mansell, the hot favourite, but with an unsettled stomach, he was to fluff the start and finish a place outside of the one he needed to wrap up the title. Some of the historical and controversial moments include the 1970 race that saw officials face a massive crowd control problem with spectators rioting, sitting alongside the track and demanding a race, eventually getting one as Jackie X won for Ferrari while Jackie Stewart hit a stray dog on the circuit. One historical moment of significance was in 1965 when Richie Ginther won for Honda, the company's first ever win in Formula One. Smog, pollution and thin air, which affects turbo performance, has played a large part in the relative competitiveness of usually dominant teams. And in 1992, the air pollution hit an all-time high, which, along with politics, played a part in the race leaving the calendar again until 2015. There was a title decider in 1964, with John Surtees winning for Ferrari, and also Graham Hill won his second title for Lotus in 1968. 1987 was a cracker two-part aggregate race, which saw Mansell redeem himself from his 86 gastro, but the 1990 race was one of the best we have seen. It was won by Prost driving for Ferrari after qualifying 13th, yet setting up the car so well and coming through while Berger and Mansell tangled late in the race. In 1991, Riccardo Patrese was to get the Williams Renault package its first win of the season instead of Nigel Mansell in his second stint with the team. In 1988, Senna was trounced by Prost, but in 89 he got his revenge lapping the professor to win the race. In 1992, Michael Schumacher got his first Formula One podium. We have seen four races in recent times, won by Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Argy-bargy, podium disqualifications and on-track wheel banging have been just some of the action we have seen so far, and Lewis was a very lucky man to win in 2016, cutting the first corner so blatantly. Daniel Ricciardo was to get his last pole position in 2018. But in closing, yes, Nigel Mansell again, this time hosting the podium celebrations. He famously said in 2015, Viva America to the crowd. Hilarious. Well, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Catch you next time. Thanks, Lucien. That is ever so good. And Sergio Perez's home race, I already know that he's going to have a new helmet. And his helmet is not going to be, you know, banned or not or not going to be disallowed by the FIA because he's really popular out there. But guys, remember, Lucian's a professional musician from Australia and you can listen to his other music on Bandcamp. Great. Thank you, Lucian. And Kunal, please tell us what are your predictions for Mexico? I think more than any team or driver, the FIA needs to have a clean race in Mexico because since the summer break, they've strangely had some few issues every race or the other. So I really wish that we have a clean, controversy-free, error-free race from the FIA's perspective. I'm going to ask you again, who do you think will win on Sunday in Mexico? Please answer. I think it's going to be a Ferrari, <laughs> but I'm not going to choose sides because I'm neutral like Marta Binotto is. What do you think? Who's going to win uh, this Sunday? I think it's going to be Bottas. And, you know, I'd love to see him try and delay Hamilton's sixth title for as long as he can. Sure. I mean, that's great for Formula One as well. Yeah. Hey, by the way, we've been speaking about Formula One drivers and their alternate careers. And I had another one to add to the list, actually. Uh, so Bottas, he visited a rum shack between Japan and Mexico. And Kunal, that got me thinking about whether he'd follow Kimi Raikkonen and open up a bar someplace in <laughs> Finland. Basically, when we visit <laughs> Raikkonen's bar, we can also go visit Bottas's bar because it's going to be pretty cool with all his cool captions on the wall. 
I loved his, you know, James It's Valtteri radio <laughs> message from uh, Japan. But I have one for Romain Grosjean. The Haas driver said that the best way to fix the issue of missing out on the midfield action on television was to show the race in a split-screen format. But no, I don't think that is Romain Grosjean's best alternate career to being a Formula 1 driver. I think being a chef still just overpowers him being a you know a television producer for formula 1 races yeah it feels like uh, damon hill has been following our podcast of also. alternate careers also and that's why he's been saying that formula 1 drivers should be given more responsibility by their teams blah 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 yeah i mean that was a nice statement of his to make <laughs> and i i hope no drivers have actually read that statement because you know right now we already see drivers interfering or asking about team strategy and i don't know what next it could be you know but it's Damon Hill and he knows what he's talking and this is Mithila and Kunal on the Inside Line F1 podcast we sort of know what we talk about as well especially when it comes to <laughs> you know different I say we do yeah different views of watching formula 1 so on that note thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you after mexico adios bye bye